0: Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike
1: and this is Orlando, and we're here on episode 387, a themed episode. And yeah, we got right. we got a jam-packed one.
0: That's right. Because uh, today, we are talking about negotiating. And negotiating is one of the most important things that you can do for your business. Now, we know that... Uh, we talked about this in the past on previous episodes. I think it's called the Pareto Principle. Uh, anyways, it's it's the 80-20 rule. And uh, we've talked about this from book books that we've read and other things. And essentially the principle is this, that 20% of the work that you do in any given situation uh, accounts for 80% of the outcome, right? So uh, then the other 80% of work you do can get you that other 20%. And that's very beneficial because what that does is it lets you know where you should focus your time and energy and effort. And a lot of times people spend their time and energy and effort on that 80% of work that's only getting them the minimal results. They, They focus on a lot of little details and they, they tend to neglect the most important things. And I would, I would argue that being able to negotiate well is going to be one of the biggest uh, influences on whether or not you're going to be able to turn a good profit and make money as a reseller. I completely agree. Everything,
1: I think, depends on the profit. I mean, not the profit, but the price that you buy an item for. Right? So usually your money is made at the deal. It's not made when you sell it. It's not made when you ship it. It's not made when you know it clears. It's made when you buy things. And there's a lot of reasons for this, because when you negotiate a price that works for you, right, you now have the ability to negotiate later on in case you have a best offer, uh, you have the ability to negotiate your price with the market in case the market begins to dip. If you get it at a great price, you're not too concerned. Let's say there's a race to the bottom and you bought your item at pretty much the bottom, then you're still going to be profitable. Uh, if, you know, you need to do some changes and there's shipping and, and they would like free shipping, you're like, you know what? I got this for a dollar and I'm going to flip it for 40. I can handle that. And so making that money right at the purchase price allows you a lot of movement and allows you to stay profitable. Uh, there's a lot of people that just on face value, they'll just buy an item at a garage sale. They'll buy, they'll buy an item at a local deal. And I understand a lot of people don't like to negotiate. I know for, you know, on, on YouTube, people get, you know, <laughs> chastised. <laughs> they get they get questioned. You know, I get called on social media, El chipo, all the time when I post my negotiation, they're like, oh, Orlando, bro, like the other day uh, I sold a jersey for 50 bucks that I I paid a quarter for and somebody gave me a hard time because I had a dollar and I asked them if they had change for a dollar, basically saying, hey, why don't you just pay the dollar? And to me, it's like, hey. I'm all right. If that's what they wanted, right? We both agreed on that price. That gives me more leverage. That gives me more ability to sell the item. And I know we're just talking about 75 cents, but I think it just applies all the way around. Because sometimes, you know, we kind of don't think about things and we're like, oh, well, I'll let it go on this one. But if you do that consistently, who knows how much money uh, you're putting away. Or maybe maybe I'm too hardcore, Mike, on negotiating here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because um, I think... I think negotiation styles uh, are, are different from person to person and and where you're going to end up um, in the same way that you said that like, Hey, if, if I would take, you know, I'm going to sell this item for $50. Somebody offers me 40. Sure. Why not? I'll take it in the same way. I think you could, you could negotiate on your purchasing end with that same kind of mentality. Hey, I, I would be profitable at, at um, $5. Um, you know, am I really going to hassle them down to $2 when I could pay $5 is the end of the world, you know? So, so there is the give and take on both ends. Uh, but I do think you're right that it adds up over time. And so, um, it's one of those things where recognizing, and it's not just that one-off deal because negotiation and, 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 and part of this is, is yes, it's, it's, can I get this item at rock bottom price this one time? Um, but the, the bigger Thing to kind of consider is maybe long term. Like if I make a good connection with somebody because I have good negotiation skills. Um, If I'm, you know, if I if I'm the person they're going to call every time they find more items in their attic. So you know, we've talked in the past about sometimes paying up is worthwhile, and and so a lot of things go into that idea of negotiating. Uh, But yeah, every dollar counts, and you want to, if possible, because yes, sometimes garage sales will open up into bigger deals and connections with people. But a lot of times it's just uh, this is the only time I'm ever gonna see you. I'm gonna buy your items. And then I'm going on to live my life and resell. And you're gonna go on and live your life and do whatever you're doing. So in instances like that, you know, going on to our next point is yeah, every dollar counts. And if, if, if you are a regular reseller and you're going to garage sales, let's say you go to 400 garage sales a year, right? You figure maybe you go half the year to garage sales, and every time you go, you're hitting four, five, six garage sales. That can easily end up into the several hundreds of individual houses you're going to. And of every house, you're able to get five dollars cheaper because of the way you negotiated. You walk away five dollars cheaper to each house. That adds up over time, over four or five hundred garage sales for the year. That makes a significant impact. I mean, you're talking potentially thousands of dollars difference. And how much money you have in your pocket, and I like to think that way with a lot of things, right? Like if, it, if it's, hey, there's this new this new app, uh, and it's only nine ninety nine a month. Well, then instantly I multiply it by ten, and then add a little bit more because I mean I, I I can multiply by twelve, but I do it differently, right? Like, but anyways, uh, you know, I figure what is this going to cost me a year, and it's like, okay, well, this is actually going to be like you know one hundred twenty dollars a year. This nine ninety nine thing. Would I rather have one hundred twenty dollars in my pocket right now, or this thing, this service, or this whatever? And so the same thing is true when it comes to uh, when you're out at a garage sale. Like, yes, it's only four dollars difference that you're you're maybe haggling over, but over time and you compound that, that that makes a significant difference.
1: Yeah, and I want to add to that. I, I agree with you. It's, it's interesting you say that because I didn't. You know, this wasn't something we put in the notes, but you got to read the room, right? So if it's something that you know, you're never going to see that person again or it's an item that isn't going to lead to a bigger purchase. To me, I have no problem going to the lowest bottom dollar as you know, as best as possible. But if it's something where, you know, you're talking to them and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I have a whole storage unit full or I have some other items, you know, and so I'd love to connect with you. If you're getting that vibe or you're understanding that there's more inventory, sometimes it's better to make sure in your negotiation you're thinking about the long term negotiation right, that you don't want to go for that bottom dollar because you want them to go to exclusive to you. And I've had that happen multiple times. I've had times where (laughs) I negotiated the bottom dollar and uh, I pretty much never got a call back. And I was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't negotiate it so hard. And I've had other moments where I've negotiated and I've taken maybe 10 percent more, maybe 20 percent more than I'm comfortable with. But understanding that I'll get a call back and I've gotten a call back and I still get a deal. So it it all depends. You got to make sure you read the room. But yes, every dollar counts because in the end, even, even let's say you go to five houses and you save five bucks at each house, that's $25. And in a garage sale world, that's a lot of money to work with uh, when you're going out to garage sales. And if I would say this, if you're going to garage sales, and, you know, you're struggling to keep how much you're spending to under three hundred dollars. Now, it all depends on what you're buying, but if you're struggling to keep it under three hundred dollars, I would say you got to work in your negotiation. Now, if you're buying a ton of items at one time and they're very valuable, let's say you you fall upon, you know, 100 vintage tees. Right. And they're wanting to sell them for five bucks each. Well, yeah, that's understandable. Or even ten bucks each or 20 bucks each, depending on what it is. But I find on average. Most mornings, it's really hard to spend out that max, even when you go to community sales. But again, it all depends uh, on what you pick up. Now, allow it allows you to take greater risk, right? The fact that you know you're able to negotiate in a way that you're not going to lose a, mo- a lot of money, you're able to say, you know what, I, I paying a dollar for this, I- I'm okay with that. Paying two dollars, I'm okay with that. Why? Because in the end, if I lose, I'm not losing that much. But if you're paying, You know, the the sticker price at every estate sale, at every garage sale, at every thrift store, uh, all the time, consistently, you're going to have less capital work with. But if, for example, my first encounter with duck decoys, uh, I picked up 12 duck decoys for $12. I had never bought a duck decoy in my life. And 12 bucks, like that, that was great. I And, you know, the guy had asked for like 20, 30, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't really sell duck decoys, and he's like, you know what? I'll give them to you all for twelve. I was like, fine. That I'll I'll do twelve bucks. And guess what? I made out right. I just I sold the first one, and everything else was profit. But I was willing to take that risk. Now, if they they were each five bucks a piece, and there's twelve of them, and it's sixty dollars, I don't know. I don't know because what if they're all you know duck decoys that are worth ten bucks a piece, or you know five bucks a piece? I'll still be profitable, but it's gonna be a lot of work to package those items, to ship those items, and so. When you're able to negotiate at, for a really great price, it allows you to take greater risk. It allows you to buy bigger bundles. Uh, all the time, for example, I'll buy like huge bundles of, of vintage toys. And, you know, if I get them for, let's say, less than a dollar a piece, I don't mind dropping $300 because that gives, gives me 300 items. And, you know, if they're all vintage and, and I know enough to spot them right away, I know that. Yeah, I spent three hundred dollars, but I'm going to make my money back, you know, within the first 50 items. And it was totally worth it. to me. So it allows you to take those bigger risks. If you're not negotiating, you are you're holding on to your money more and you're unwilling to buy more items or even, let's say, learn other niches. Right. What what allows you to learn other areas of reselling is when you're able to get it for cheap, realizing, hey, I'll still be profitable. I can learn a little bit and I can continue uh, making that money. So. Definitely negotiate yourself to the best possible price so you can take more risks.
0: Um, That's good. And then we already kind of talked about the other idea of like building uh, relationships, you know, uh, when you're at a a garage sale, a thrift store, a local deal, that negotiations, you got to kind of think long term. uh, So that's our next point, too, is is even just. Especially I think of something like a local deal, right? If you're dealing with a local deal, you're talking to somebody back and forth on Facebook marketplace. This might be somebody who has uh, in a niche that you're interested in. They've got uh, they collect those things. And so the way you negotiate, the way you talk to people is going to make a big difference on whether or not you can build that relationship. And that's going to be our whole next section, too, is some of the best practices for negotiating in order to ensure uh, that. Not only do you get the deal that you're trying to get, but that you also do so with everybody leaving the negotiation feeling like they um they won. Everybody feeling like they're in a good place and not creating hard uh, or, or bad feelings between people. Uh, but I think we have uh we have a, a winner to announce. Is that right?
1: We do. So I actually got a random comment selector. Like I had to do it on my other MacBook. So I don't know how well this is going to come out, but I want next time
0: we should just we should just like do it before we record since we were doing a recording anyways. And I'll just put the person's name up on the screen.
1: Yeah, but I don't I don't want anyone ever questioning us whether we're being legit about it. So that's why I like doing it. this way. Now, you were right. I should have had just said comments because when I said specific Q4 items that you were glad to be rid of in January. Like when I did this comment picker, like I had to filter out. It was like impossible. It was so much work. And so I just ended up, we're going to go through comments. Hopefully the first two that we select actually talk about that and we can get our winner right away.
0: Yeah, but how about we just do whatever comes up, right? Like, I mean, comments. we can't change
1: change the rules after the fact. Now, for February, (laughs) we have that rule that it's whatever comment. But January, like people went out of their way, you know, I want to reward that. So I, I know I, I'm a rule follower. <laughs> OK, so in case you're wondering what we're talking about for the contest. So my reseller genie and great software for bookkeeping. If you're a reseller and you're like, I have no way to track my profit loss. I have my taxes coming up. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. My reseller genie is the solution for you. Uh, we have our own uh, promo code pure hustle, which will give you 15 percent off the first month. It is an amazing tool. Uh, it makes it simple. It You know, what I like is programs that run in the background uh, without me having to stress about it. And it's funny because I was just talking uh, to Faith and Paul from Marisa Leginia on DMs. And, uh, you know, I'm, I I think they were looking at my account or something. And I <laughs> I haven't updated that thing in a long time. And they're like. But why hasn't he updated it in a while? And it's because I don't stress about it. I know that I can go in and automatically I just touch a few buttons and everything will be in there. All the information's there and I'm good to go. And that's that's what you want. You don't want something that you're going to have to babysit all the time. Now, you can babysit if you if you love bookkeeping and you like looking at your numbers all the time. You can do that, too. So check out my Reseller Genie link below. Our uh, code appears for 15 percent off the first. Zone. Now, the winner of January Whoever left a comment of an item they wanted to get rid of in Q4 uh, will get a free month of my reseller genie. So when your name is announced, okay, what you need to do is uh, email us, and then we'll send you the contact info for you to get set up uh, with my reseller genie. Okay, are you ready, Mike? Can you see that? Let's, kind of. No.
0: Kind of, right there. We'll just. Right there. Okay. <laughs> the 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 production quality on this is top <laughs> notch.
1: I know. All right. So I'm just gonna click on start. Um,
0: if I can, there we go. Okay, ready. This is Uh, how you know Orlando is in charge of this. Yes, yes.
1: Wait, why is this? (laughs) Hold on, give me a second. I I had this all ready to go. I set this all up, and now we're gonna lose. Hey, by the way, in the meantime, hit that thumbs up uh, before this becomes a debacle. Um. All right, your comment picker. Oh, man, Mike, you know, the fact is we edit and we want to keep this uh, organic. But this this might be an interesting. Oh, here we go. I, I oh, this is why I didn't click on get your comments. See, this is how real this is. All right, here we go. I got our comments and now we're going to hit start. So there it is It's going. It's going. It's going. You see the flashing. Okay, let's see what this says. Um. Oh, here we go. We got a winner on the first try. So let me see if I can get the camera right there. Can you read that? No, no, no. All right, but I want to keep it real. So this is from Matter Frog Vintage Dash V U Four J X. They said the item I'm most excited to sell for my store this month was a vintage Curious George plush that I've had in my inventory for a year and a half. So congrats, to you Matter Frog Vintage Dash Four U Whatever V U Four J X. Make sure to email us. Uh, Let us know that you're the winner and then we'll send you the details on how to follow up and get that free month of My Reseller Genie. How painful was that, Mike?
0: Yeah. Did you get secondhand embarrassment on there? Yeah. You know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Next time, let's just run it before. We'll throw it up on the screen and announce it. People trust us. And if they don't, they don't need to play our games.
1: All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So My Reseller Genie, check it out. Okay. So talk to me here about uh negotiation best practices.
0: All right. So one of the first things is you want to be friendly, right? Um Orlando and I know each other very well. Uh we've been friends for a long time. And so I can kind of poke fun at him when uh when he uh tries to do some when production stuff things? and yes. and 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 do uh you know a a a live selection. And it's cuz we're good friends we can mess around like that. But but again like Orlando said earlier, kind of reading the room is you got to be careful when you don't know people, you have to understand how to interact with people. And there is a certain amount of friendly you need to have, right? There's, Mm -hmm, there's some mm -hmm. people go way overboard and it comes across as fake. Uh, Some people are not friendly at all. And it comes across as cold and uncaring. And you really need to be able to find that sweet spot. Um, And, and it's, it can be difficult for, for some people to do that. Um, You know, we always talk about the people who pull up to a garage sale and shout out like any Legos or the people who, when they do the negotiations <laughs> From they, in a car
1: uh, and they drive off,
0: um, and then the people who, um, you know, while they're looking at something, they're like, yeah, you know, how much you want for this ugly shirt? Look at this, got stains and look at, look at this and look at and, and that's the only way that they're negotiating is just pointing out all the flaws. Uh, so that's not going to work. And then the other thing is, is like I said, when, when people seem like fake and you know, Um, so so what you really want to do is you want to just come across like a person right like you want to connect with people and so whether that's at a garage sale and it's just starting off by saying good morning um talking about the weather you know i'm not a huge fan of small chat but but you know just a little bit of normal conversation connects you to people and i've seen i've seen that being a um like a moment of refreshment, a breath of fresh air for people when they're like surrounded by a bunch of, mm-hmm. you know, aggressive resellers who are Crazy talking resellers. them yeah, and yeah. the moment they step away and you're just like, Ooh, that looked rough. And, you know, and, and, and you just kind of give them like, I know it's it, just having a human moment with somebody can be really important and just being friendly, not insulting them. And, and, that's going to set you up and to be in a good spot with the negotiation. They're going to want to work with you. If the, if if they want you to win, you're better off, right? If they already are against you, I've I've done my own garage sales and I've had people who've tried to negotiate with me. And the way they're talking to me, I don't really want them to get a good deal. Like I will, I'm going to be firm. <laughs> and the next person that comes by might offer me the same thing, and I'll take it because they didn't come across as you know aggressive and a jerk. So yeah, you want to you want to be friendly, and that's that seems like common sense. Uh, But sometimes you got to step back and say, like, okay, am I making this connection with this person before I jump right into um, right into trying to nickel and dime every little thing and and get the best deal possible?
1: No, I I, listen. It is one of the best tools because I I will tell you, when I go to a garage sale, most of the time, most of the time, it is rare uh, that anybody has started any conversation uh, with the individual doing the garage sale. What I find is people are right to business. I understand the right to business. Like you see a hot item, you know, it's going to sell, like you're going to get to it and so on. But I, you know, I, I want to, there's this guy that I see all the time when I'm out at garage sales and he doesn't say hi or anything. He just comes up and be like, how about this? $10? How about this? $5? I'm like, dude, just, just say good morning. Just say good morning. And then just, and then just ask like, Hey, what are you looking for, for this? Don't, don't read it. I mean, this." You got to read the room, right? Like you had mentioned you ran you ran a sale at the flea market, right? And that's how people were at the flea market. But that's understandable at the flea market. Like, I kind of get that, I guess. But I would say brief friendly. And, you know, don't like you said, don't be fake about it. Don't try to small talk, just small talk. But, you know, I, my biggest line always is, you know, especially if it's like uh, like 730, maybe like 30 minutes after the garage, sale, I go, wow, you, it looks like uh, you guys might have had a cra- you know crazy time earlier. And usually they're like, yeah, it was nuts, blah, blah, blah. And just said. Or for me in San Diego lately, since it's been so cold, I know cold is relative, but cold for us in San Diego, I'm always like, well, I uh, hope you guys didn't freeze too much when you're unloading everything this morning. And then you're like, ha, ha, ha. And then you start the conversation. So always be friendly. Now, <clears throat> bundling okay, is your friend. Uh, I, there's, there's two ways to do this. Sometimes you want to see if the items you're picking up are even worth bundling. And what I mean by this is you might pick up something, let's say, I don't know, I have, I have stuff here. Let's say this Nerf gun, right? And you're like, hey, you know, this Nerf gun probably a quarter at a garage sale, okay? Maybe a dollar, okay? And you're like, hey, how much for this? And they're like, $10. Uh, okay. Whew. To me, that's already a signal for me to just not even look anymore. But you never know. Like, I, I've, I used to have that approach, but Sometimes like you'll pick up something else that's super valuable. Let's say this was a gold salt shaker and all these random things on the podcast table, this gold salt shaker, and they'll be like a dollar, even though this is worth 100 and this is only worth 15. Right. But I would say don't try to buy right away. If you see other items you want, work those all together. What usually I do is I'll start with the first item and I'll say, how much how much do you want for this? And they're like, "Uh, I was looking for this. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I don't say yes or no. And then in my mind, I know, okay, I can bundle and I can negotiate with this person, or it's it's not gonna be worth it to me. So usually they give me a good price. And then what I'll do is I'll tell them, all right, cool. Let me. uh, Is it okay if I get a bunch of items? Then we talk about you know final price later on. And most of the time, I would say ninety percent of the time, it works out for me every single time.
0: Right. And, and they know it like they know what the yeah, event is like definitely- an anchor anchorman moment there. Ninety percent of the time it works out for me every single time.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I was trying to put up some arbitrary numbers. so There you go. I am from San Diego, though, you know. Nice. Nice. That's so- true.
0: San Diego. All right. Um, yeah, it's good. Bundling is good. And then, like you said, just asking right off the bat, uh, just what are prices or just paying attention when you hear somebody, you know, say that the, the random uh, which I'm a gadget that's worth like a dollar uh, and they're like ah, eight dollars for that and they're not budging for anybody that's asking stuff you know it's not even worth your time so it's it's useful to do that just kind get a gauge of where they're at uh, before you begin the 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 bundling process and the shopping process now the next one is the um, ackerman method and we did the uh the what's the negotiation, what's the name of the negotiating book that we read? Uh, Never Split, split the, the difference. difference. Never Split yeah, the Difference. Yeah. So Never Split the Difference. And it, it's a, it was one of the, the most impactful books as far as um, ways to negotiate and deal with people that we've read. Uh, go check out our episodes. We did, I think, four episodes, three or four episodes talking about that book and, and how it applies to reselling. Now, this is one of the ones that is kind of Um, intuitive, I think, for a lot of people when it comes to reselling uh, or negotiating. This is probably what most people think of when they think of negotiating. And it kind of starts with um, you giving an anchor number, a a low number. Um, He uses a method, the the Ackerman method is, I think, a a specific series of numbers. I think it's like 65%, 85%, 95% or 90 and then 100. Uh, But I think those numbers maybe are a little arbitrary when it comes to the types of negotiating we're doing. If you're doing big negotiations, like a salary negotiation, or you're doing something like that, um, or you're talking like tens of thousands of dollars, then maybe uh, it's worth really paying attention to those specific numbers. But otherwise, just think of simple, right? You're, you you want to, the most you'd be willing to pay for this is 10. You'd be happy, maybe not even most, but you'd be happy to pay 10. If I pay $10 for this salt shaker, I'm going to be able to clean house. I'm going to be able to sell it for a profit. I'm going to be happy. Instead of starting with, and you should never give the first number. That's one of the things we'll talk about next. But um, when it comes down to you know the the back and forth, you're going to want to in your head start at like, how about six or how about five? And if they say no, then you can move up to the seven and then you move up to the eight and then you move up and then you finally land on 10 and they think that they've come somewhere, but you ultimately ended up where you wanted to be. You never start with that number you're looking for. If you're hoping that you can get it for 10, don't say 10. Right. You gotta start lower than that. Um, and I like the idea of even giving, I mean, this is the Ackerman method is a is a is a uh a incremental increase. I prefer to kind of skip that whole process and just mm-hmm. give the in-betweens and say, look, I was thinking somewhere between six and ten dollars for this. Because and 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 that is if you're like kind of going back and forth for a while, they won't give you a number because then they're gonna happily take the 10 because they're like, oh, well, I mean, I'm not gonna take six. Um, but you never know. Sometimes you start with that six, seven, eight and you get you get it on that and you don't have to pay that that high number uh, in the first place.
1: Yeah. And and listen, it it's it's such a great method. It, it really is. And here's what here's here's what you want to do. You want to make sure you already have this conversation taking place in your head before you approach the person. You want to make it as as disconnected emotionally as, as possible. You just want to say, hey. I appreciate it. I I was thinking of this and make the number you want the high number and just keep it there. Just make it very simple. Now, I I will say the Ackerman method has has worked. It works a lot, I would say, on local deals Uh, when you're contacting people on on Craigslist or on Facebook or whatever it is. I I find more success there at garage sales. It goes to the next thing, you know, never give the first number. Uh, But before I do that, let me I want to add one more thing to bundling or in general. Uh, When you pick up an item okay, and and you're trying to negotiate it into a lower price, don't act like you know exactly what it is. Don't go, you know, like this VTech toy. okay? don't go. Yes, I was wondering what you would do for that VTech talking first words, little smart ABC toy. Right. Because then it's like, whoa, like why is that person know so much? Right. Or I I see this all the time with with like bows, like all the time I'll I'll see a bows and I'm like, what are you thinking of that speaker over there? What are you thinking on that toy? Like, be very generic because what ends up happening is once you do those keywords, you also put yourself at a disadvantage. Because I've had people do that in front of me, negotiating with, uh, with the buyer, uh, with the seller at a garage sale. And then the seller goes, What was that called? And they'll pull out their phone and they start entering that info on eBay and looking at comps. And they've already doomed themselves. And you don't want to, you know, end up messing your deal before it even gets started. All right. So, uh, never give the first number. We used to have people debate, and people will still debate this, but I'm, I'm telling you, I will stick to this rule for anything. This is if you're negotiating a salary at your new workplace. Uh, this is if you're negotiating your car. This is if you're negotiating anything. You never give the first number. Because what, what it does, when you give the first number in anything, that's going to end up being your starting point. And if you start... You know, if you start at a place where they were thinking a lot higher, you've already cut it off. I've I've had uh, friends of mine who negotiated their salaries and and they were like, oh, I was thinking this number. And I'm like, are you serious? Like they probably would have offered you 10 or 20K more had you just not said anything. And now you put yourself in that situation. The same thing with reselling. I can't tell you how many times there was an item that I knew I could sell for 100. And I was hoping that they would at least say 20 bucks. And I said, how much do you want for this? And they're like, I don't I don't know. I've had it for a while. Five bucks. And there you go. I didn't even have to negotiate that one right now. Will I still negotiate? Sure, I will. I'll say, what about four? I mean, and they'll say, sure, four bucks. And again, you got to read the room, right? Most of the time, if they're so flippant about it, they don't care. They just want to get rid of it. And so make sure not to give that first number, because in the end, you can already be cutting your profits out by just giving that first number. And who knows? You'll never know. And you don't want to live in the unknown going, I may have gotten that for 50% less, maybe even 90% less happens to me all the time. And this next one, you want to intro this since I already intro this in an awkward way.
0: It's awkward, right? That silence that I just gave there. Yeah, I I, I really wanted people to fill it. They probably, for, some people probably were like, oh no, my, did my podcast stop? So we've, we've done this on the podcast before where we've actually done, and we're not going to do it this time, um, because you say that refuse, every time, but, go ahead. but I'm not doing it. So, um, okay. but yeah, so the not giving the first number leads into, um, awkward silence is fine. Um, I, I learned as a teacher, one of the things that I had to learn really early is I had to be okay with some silence knowing too, that sometimes students, they would get awkward and, and, and they would feel awkward in silence. But when I'd ask a question, if it was like five seconds of silence, which, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in a classroom, when all of a sudden nobody's saying anything, it feels like a really long time. And then, and then there's this feeling of like, well, maybe I need to say something now. And, and like, I, now I need to say, break the silence. Maybe I need to give them the answer give them more prompts. But sometimes I just let it sit for 10, 20, 30 seconds and kids start like, but then then some people think they really have the time to think about process. And then they'll give some uh, an answer uh, sometimes because they don't want to sit in the awkward silence anymore. I have students who don't like to participate at all. But if I let the room be, be quiet after I ask a question and just look around, sometimes they'll answer just because they want to break that silence. And that's the principle here is if somebody were to tell you, like if they ask you like, well, w- what do you want to pay for it? And you could say, oh, I don't know, like this is yours. Like, what do you think? I, w- what are you what are you hoping to get for it? And they they don't budge and they're like, I don't know. What do you want to offer me? Then you kind of just, ah. or even if they give you a number, right? If they might, maybe they say like, how about $25 for that? And you could just go ah. and you kind of look at it and you sit there and you're silent for a while and you just let that silence sit. people feel awkward in it and this might feel like i'm going against the idea of being friendly this isn't an awkwardness of like you're making somebody necessarily purposely uncomfortable (laughs) but they feel uncomfortable themselves right like they're seeing it within themselves that it's quiet they're not feeling like you're being awkward but that silence they want to fill it and so a lot of times people will do anything to fill that silence they'll say something right they'll be like you know okay like maybe okay maybe 10 and then you go you know or you know f- five five dollars is fine and i've seen prices drop i've seen them give the first number uh so don't be afraid to sit in some silence there's only been a couple times where i've done the awkward silence thing and then you get interrupted somebody else comes up to the the buyer or the seller and starts you know offering them something for something else and then it kind of breaks that deal uh that moment kind of gets ruined uh but yeah awkward silence can be a very powerful tool don't give the first number if you can help it and one of the best ways to get them to give you a number is just be silent.
1: And I want to add something to that. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had the awkward silence and let's say you know they wanted 20 for something, right And I'm like, ah, I don't know And then they'll go like after a few seconds they'll go 15? What about 10? <laughs> then, then i'm like sure like i didn't even have to say a word like within seconds we drop 50 percent and i'm telling you it works now if you really are uncomfortable like i i thrive in awkwardness like i love awkwardness uh, my teaching style i i will let a room sit quiet for five minutes until somebody speaks because i don't want the same uh, people answering the questions when we have discussions and so and I've done it. <laughs> I'll put a timer on and I'll, I'll say, let's see how long we go awkward. And somebody always has to break the silence. But if you can't stand the, the awkwardness, it doesn't hurt to pick up that item and just just look at it. Don't say anything. Just go. Hmm. And just let that ride until they say something. And that's one way for you not to feel as awkward because your mind is occupied with that object. They're wondering, like, what is this person thinking? And eventually they'll break the silence. But I, I will say out of everything we give given here, awkwardness to me is, is the best one because I don't know for whatever reason, awkwardness allows you to negotiate without saying a word. So ho- hopefully some of you are willing to get awkward out there, uh, whether it be local deals uh, and local deals are actually harder to do awkwardness because no one's around. It's just you and that person just standing there looking at the inventory and no one talking to each other. Just like this. But if you can beat that awkwardness, you will get greater profits. All right. Hey, one place, well, you can be awkward, but you're welcome to be awkward is in our Discord. And if you haven't joined our Discord, strongly encourage you to. Uh, the way to enter our Discord is by supporting us on Patreon. It's a bonus to supporting us on Patreon for $5.55 a month. I don't know how many deals are out there anymore for five fifty-five dollars a month. Uh, especially on the Discord level. And this is a great thriving community. We have all kinds of resellers. We're not a bolo group. We're not a cook group. But that doesn't mean there aren't bolos there. That doesn't mean that, you know, people aren't sharing some retail arbitrage finds. But what we wanted to create was a place where everyone can ask whatever questions. People can encourage each other. People can share their bolos. People can share their fails. Uh, People can just rant if they rant, Uh, which we don't have a lot of. Have you been on the rant thread lately? I haven't been there for a while. Hmm. There, there, I don't think no. there's much on there. I don't get alerted to it much there. So if you haven't yet, uh, help us out on Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and you can sign up for $5.55 a month or you can go to the link below. Uh, also, make sure to be following us on all social media. We are Pierce of Podcast. On Twitter, we are Pure Soul Cast. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube, jump on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button and hit that bell notification so you're not missing our lives that we do every Monday now. And also, uh, you can reach us at purestopodcast at gmail.com via email or call us at 619 731 And last of all, I want to say thank you to all of you that leave iTunes reviews. They help us in the algorithm uh, when people are looking for recently reselling We are still the number one reselling podcast, uh, even in the shaky market with all new podcasts coming in. Even with, you know, I, I find that during these times, numbers dip in listens and stuff, but we are still... Uh, actively out there getting new listeners every week. And I want to share some of those reviews because I want to let you know we do notice these reviews when they're there. So I'm going to share uh, two, two longer ones and a quick short one. So this one comes from Old Army Dude, Port Review. And they said, this is definitely my go-to reselling podcast. Uh, I've been reselling for 20 years and I have had an eBay store for five. I enjoy hearing the banter between the two of you and you provide good, useful, and thought provoking information. I normally have you on when I'm driving, or I'm packing to order to ship out. Great show. Keep it up. Well, thank you, old army, dude. And I love hearing from people that have been reselling for a long time. That means a lot to me because, you know, even this episode, a lot of the stuff we've said a lot, uh, a lot of this stuff, you know, people that are experienced resellers already do a lot of this. But I always hear from veterans, you know, people have been reselling for a while, like, you know what? I didn't think about that. And that's the beauty of reselling is that we're all always learning. So I want people to understand like, you never arrive. You never arrive in reselling. I don't care what anybody tells me. You do not arrive. All right. This comes from one of our good friends. This is from a consignment girl. Says, wow. Says, I have been reselling for many years with Kashi K- Consignment. I'm sorry. I fumbled that. And I learned something new every time. I love the positive attitude and the thoughtful opinions uh, that stop and make me think. Great job. I look forward to your podcast and level up reviews. Libby. And Libby has, I think from like the beginning, right? Libby has been supportive of the podcast. Uh, I've spoken to Libby many times. She's an expert in consignment. You should check out consignment chats on Instagram. Uh, And they also have their own podcast too. I've learned so much from her. I actually had a deal that she helped me avoid in consignment (laughs) because it was kind of shady. And, and, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to speak to her and she helped me out there. All right. And this last one comes from, this is from, Flat, mat content packed. Mike and Orlando are great. I just started selling on eBay and have learned a ton from the content these guys put out regarding everything from sourcing to the app tools that to help managing my reselling business. I love the bolos and the hustle of the week. If you're a reseller thinking about reselling, you got to check out this podcast. Bolo. Bolo.
0: Did you see love that on it. there? Yeah. Yeah. So, That's hey,
1: cool. thanks so much, uh, everyone here. Really, really appreciate that. All right, and yeah, speaking and we're, of we're at of we're
0: at we're at 761 reviews right now on iTunes, which means we're going to be at 800 before you know it. And if you have not yet left a review, you want to say you were in the first 800, right? You made it before there were 800 reviews, because uh, though there, there may be a day when we've got tens of thousands of reviews right like you never know you never know and so you want to say you're OG, so get in there send us a a a review it really does help us out um it helps us in the algorithm which is very very important uh and more than that it actually it just kind of helps motivate us because there are definitely days where alanda and i are like i don't want to record let's do it so it it, it's very thoughtful those are rare though but yeah those days do happen they do happen all right all right so here we go with our hustles of the week come on hustlers it's the freaking hustle of the week yeah hustle of the week so our first one uh it comes from the frisk which is someone from our discord once again we talked about our discord so you can join up there uh picked up two filson jackets at goodwill for nine dollars each that might seem like high for a jacket but listed on ebay with best offer And I've gotten offers of $150 for one, but I'm holding out hope on something closer to $200 since the one is wax line and flannel line and retails for $350. Sold one already for $175.99 in less than a week. So, man, you think you figure you paid $18 for the two of these? You made, uh, you know, $100. and, and nearly $180 on just that one, that's that's some serious profit. And you still got one more to go. So that's 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 a hustle of the week, for sure. And the
1: fact that he picked up a Filson jacket. Not one, but two from the store that shall not be named. Have you ever picked up a Filson, Mike? Uh, I don't think so. That's a grill item. I have never, ever in my 10 years plus of reselling, ever came across a Filson in the live. It's just, it's just wild to me. So ni- nice work there. The frisk. All right, this comes from Killer from the Discord, one of our great contributors on there, very knowledgeable, a lot of expertise. Uh, you should join the Discord alone just to get ca- casualty talks about Amit. Uh, you know what's funny about the Discord? If you support on Patreon for $5.55 a month, you will make that money back within a few days. Easily from a bolo, from a tip, whatever. So, anyways, I know I'm plugging it again, but I, I think there's a lot of value there. So, Killer from the Discord said. I've developed a relationship with a specific thrift near me and will let me know when they have stuff I sell. Sometimes they will hold off on putting stuff on the floor until I get there or they see me. A few weeks ago, they pushed out a cart full of about 100 golf clubs and I was able to pick through them first. This was one of the sets I pulled out of the cart, paid $8, listed for $399, took an offer and sold a set of six Callaway Ladies Flex Graphite Rogue Clubs, for three hundred twenty five dollars plus shipping and there you go right you ended up developing a relationship with the thrift uh you obviously are able to negotiate yourself into good prices and you ended up a great scoring keola i he is the golf yeah. guy on our discord yeah. like he, does, that guy. he
0: does uh restoring too of, of a lot of uh clubs it's kind of cool seeing him uh branch out from just regular reselling to to, to restoring clubs and and, and taking another aspect of this hobby and adding it to another hobby and making something new, right? Like that's, that is hustle culture. That's what we do. Um, all right. Our next one comes from grandma. Junie has a potty mouth also from our discord. Uh, so my sister-in-law was gifted some boxes that had never been opened, mailed from the grandmother's estate about 10 to 15 years ago. They were going to be sent to the trash, There were two boxes of jewelry, and I've been learning so much about jewelry. We split them 50-50. Today, I sold the biggest item. It was a turquoise squash flower necklace. The crazy thing is we had an offer of $500 on Wednesday, countered with $725. So glad they didn't accept. This is the biggest sell I've had. Sold for $944 plus 49 uh, cents and shipping. Holy smoke. So, from free to nearly a grand and nearly was in the trash. That's crazy. Now, I gotta that, know that's one of those things, too, where you're like, I'm glad they didn't take the 725 offer. <laughs>
1: yeah. That,
0: I mean, that's crazy. From, you know, to think that that would have
1: ended up donated somewhere. This is why I keep saying, like, you just you got to get there before the drift Now, it's funny. She did update us on the Discord and said, to uh, today after shipping and fees, have earned one thousand seven hundred twenty-four dollars and thirty-two cents off of trash that was to be thrown away. Have sixty-six of the items listed; two left to the list. Then we'll sort out the broken stuff for craft bundles. That is a hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. So, what is what is your hustle of the week?
0: Uh don't have anything like super amazing. I was at the the Goodwill bins, and uh, I occasionally look through the book sections and. I don't use the books like scanning type thing that I've used in the past when I'd go to thrift stores. Uh, I'm not trying to go through all the books at that level. Uh, but I've kind of developed an eye for just, oh, that's just a mass market paperback versus, oh, I think this is a little bit more unique looking. Maybe yeah. it's a textbook. Maybe it's something like that. So I kind of have an idea of what to look for. Now, you know how if you go into Barnes & Noble um, and they have like the, the vintage books, uh, the classic books, and they have them like kind of special bound and they look like super fancy, but they're mass produced that way. So, or even Costco has them like that. So you're buying like, you know, Lord of the Rings or you're buying crime and punishment or you're buying, you know, Jane Eyre or whatever you're getting. And it's like, looks like super fancy binding, but you can pick them up for like, you know, 10 bucks or whatever it is. So I saw a book that kind of looked like that at first. Um, and I noticed that it was what is it Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, uh, Jules Verne's. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't read that book. I don't think I talked about this yet already. Maybe I did, uh, I, but it was just a couple that. days ago. And I see it and I look at it and I almost just tossed it. And this is just mass produced. But then as I'm like picking it up, I could kind of tell like this is more of like a cloth bound. It doesn't feel as fake. Um, it it's it kind of has like a good looking binding on it. So I opened it up and sure enough, this is something from like the 50s. And it was I mean, that's still not like super vintage, uh, but it was like a special publishing of this book in like a nice binding. And I look it up and this book is going for close to $50 on eBay pretty consistently. Right. So uh, the books at my bins are 60 cents each. And just to think like this was skipped by a ton of people. People had already been through those bins countless times. And there was a $50 book just sitting there. And I almost passed up on it. But, but again, just having that experience, I get what people talk about. I don't have it quite yet with clothing because I don't like selling clothes that much. Uh, but when you pick up certain fabrics, you just kind of know. Like, I might not know this brand, but I just I could tell this is probably more valuable. And sometimes it can be that way with books. It Just by by I don't know if I've seen this one before or this looks a little bit more unique or this finding feels a little bit uh, fancier than just your typical mass production.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, you just, you never know. I mean, it never hurts to look. It just never hurts to look. I mean, like, you know, the story of my anime books, right? To me, they just look like some paperback manga. Like they, they, I didn't, there was much value, but there's value sometimes, you know? So, all right. So I haven't told you this, but I've been getting into the auction game uh, around here lately. uh, Just because I I needed something new. I needed something to uh, refresh me because I, I got, I got kind of tired. I got, you know, it was raining. Um, every local deal I wanted to have, like, you know, was, it was tough because people didn't really want to, you know, I, it was, it was just weird. The rain caused people to stop wanting to sell stuff. Um, garage sales had died and I kind of was like, you know, maybe I need to go out and do some auctions. So I went, I went to a few auctions. Um, I did, I did some live and I did some mine. Uh, I did some live and I did some, uh, online and so on. And I, I don't want to share too much, but, you know, there's there's good stuff out there. The The problem with it is, you know, with online uh, is that you can end up putting yourself in a really bad place because everybody has the same information that you do. Right. Everybody can research items ahead of time. Everybody can uh, look at items uh, ahead of time. And so it's kind of tough. But if you go to a live auction, it's a little bit better, especially if they do it right away. Uh, so I ended up scoring. Uh, it wasn't at a live auction. it was online. And the crazy thing is there was this crazy bidding battle that happened between an, me and another person. Uh, and I saw one item in there and I am like, that item sells for 200. I know it sells for 200. If I can get this item for less than 50 bucks, like I'm in I'm in you know, I'm gonna win. So it passes and the problem with online items is that you can bid like a week or two weeks ahead, three weeks ahead, a month ahead. And that, that thing, by the time you end that item, like it's not even worth picking up anymore because the price has gone, you know, through the, through the atmosphere. So, or stratosphere or whatever you call it. So I'm, you know, I, I'm visiting a college with my son and the auction's about to end and they ended up beating my max bid and it's over 50 bucks. So now I'm like, ah, this person is not going to win. Click. I kept bidding. We went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I got to tell you, there's there's a gambling aspect to auctions. There really is. It's kind of like you got to win at whatever cost, right? It's it's kind of like, you know when you when you're gambling. And I'm not a gambler, but the times I have, I'm terrible at it because when I lose, I'm always like, you know what? I'm gonna go double for nothing, or I'm gonna I'm gonna get my money back. And you never do. You always lose. So I I just kept bidding, and it got up to 60, 60 something dollars. And I was hoping that they would bid one more time. I was like, ah, I don't want this. And they never bid again. And so I won. And I was like, oh, great. I'm stuck with this now. So I bought it. I picked it up. Well, what I ended up picking up was the item that I wanted. And there was this vintage um, Shure microphone. Now, Shure microphones are worth good money if they're working. I don't know if you know anything about Shure. I don't I don't know anything about yeah. it. I just did some research. That was one and of my I was like a, a while back. Yeah, it was like a gray hammer paint on it that was still on there. I couldn't test it. Well, I paid 66 I sold that one uh, for $75 plus ship untested right away. And the item that I knew was money was this vintage Sony CD Walkman from the 80s. And I listed it. And within hours, somebody came out for me 120 And I was like, no, like this is worth more. And sure enough, somebody from, from Australia bought it for $191 plus ship. So I paid $66 uh, and actually in total for everything at this auction, I paid a hundred dollars. I sold, I paid a hundred. I sold the CD Walkman for close to 200. I sold the microphone for about 80. I also have a reel to reel and I have a whole bunch of other media that I still need to sell. So there you go. <laughs> sometimes, huh. sometimes when nice. you think you're going to lose, you still win. That's right. That, that, that's where, that, that's where I landed. Um, But you know, I, I don't know. I, I just can't wait to go to garage sales again. I, I just, I I I feel like at garage shows there's a certain peace about being out there, especially when you're there early and there's not that many people. Or when an auction, just too much anxiety for me. It's like the bins. I'm not a fan uh, of the anxiety. So, anyways, what what do you have? You done an auction before?
0: Um, I've done. Yeah, I've actually done um, a couple. Um, haven't won anything on them. So. And, and probably for the best, um, I want to do some live auctions. Uh, online auctions, you're right. It's, you know, it can go either way. Um, everybody has the same information. But then again, you also got to remember in the same way of like certain people are in certain niches and others aren't. And so you're really not competing against everybody. You got to, there has to be crossover between the people who are on that same auction as you are and they're interested in selling the same types of things you're interested in selling. So, um, it's maybe not as much competition as you think, but anytime I've hoped and tried to, to win stuff, I've I've always lost. So what can you do? Yeah.
1: No. And so now I'm addicted. Now I'm addicted because I enjoyed the thrill, the dopamine hit. And so mm. I, I think, I, I think I need, I think I need to take a break from, from all of that because, you know, you can get in those auctions and you can end up losing, you know? No. So, Hey, before we move on, just want to talk about one of our, Our great uh, partners in all of this is American Bubble Boy. Uh, American Bubble Boy has always supplied uh, the bubble wrap I need, especially because, you know, that CD Walkman. Like, it was nice to have the great bubble wrap for there. For the Shore Mic, it was nice to have that bubble wrap out there. So if you haven't purchased American Bubble Boy yet, strongly encourage you to do so. It is the best-priced bubble wrap out there, fastest shipping. It is free shipping. You can get even next day, depending on your area. Uh, They also have tape. uh, And if you use our code Pure Hustle, you get 5% off which you're like, 5%, that's not a lot. But actually, it's already pretty cheap, so it it's not bad. And if you use the link below, it helps us out. Uh, and in the end, it helps you out by getting a great product. All right. Are you ready to talk about advanced negotiation tactics?
0: Yeah, and we'll kind of move through these quickly because we are recording right before we go live on Monday. So just a quick reminder for those of you who have not gone over to YouTube, uh, make sure to, to subscribe to our YouTube, hit the bell notifications because... We go live uh, right now on Mondays, but we've also been live on our our Wednesdays as well. So you want to make sure you get those notifications. Uh, So let's talk about some advanced negotiating uh, best practices. And one of those is um, being emotionally attached to the item or being emotionally attached to getting the deal. Now, uh, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. Um, If you can kind of uh, oftentimes... Remind somebody why it is they're selling something if they've brought something out to uh to to the the side of the road or into their garage to sell, and um, you can tell they kind of they're hesitant to let it go. um, You can ask them like, "Are you are are you hoping to sell this, or maybe um, you know it looks like maybe you're a little bit attached to this item?" And a lot of times, just by causing them to cognitively like actually consider and think about what they're going through, they might realize, Oh yeah, I am kind of being, uh, maybe a little bit foolish about this. I do want to get rid of this. Um, and there's different ways you can do that. I mean, you can be a little silly about it and say things like, Hey, you'll never have to see this thing again. Or do you really want to have to take this back inside or uh, little things like that can help. Yeah. Um, so, but, but just reminding somebody that, Hey, they brought it out there cause they want to sell it. You've got money now. Um, I can take it off of your hands unless you don't want to sell it. I understand like saying things like that can be. And again, you can do it where it's almost condescending or like, well, you're never going to sell it. If you don't sell it to me at this price. You don't want to come across like that. Uh, but yeah, just just recognizing that. And sometimes just being nice, too, because they might have some emotional connection. I've, I remember I I bought a bunch of uh Melissa and Doug toys like in bulk off of somebody one time. And the lady actually started crying as she was selling them. And Ooh. she's like, this is just. My kids like I can't believe I don't have kids who are playing with these toys anymore like they've grown up and and, and just recognizing that too like sometimes they do have emotional connections and stuff. And so, um, you know, understanding that can be helpful. Um, and one last thing I'll add on this just like my little tip I, I got this from a Jocko willing podcast I think it's great is whoever is most invested Uh, most emotionally tied to the deal is going to lose when it comes to negotiation. If you're like, I have to get this item. I have to get this item. I need to buy this item. Uh, they've got all the power over you, right? Like they can, they can keep up in the price. And if you're like, I need to buy this item, you're going to end up getting stuck paying more. But if, if they're the ones that are like, I've got to get rid of this item. Like, I don't want to deal with this item. I want, you're going to end up winning on that. And so sometimes just reminding them that they want to get rid of the item. And that they're trying to make some money can help move you into that direction uh, and, and even seeming maybe a little disinterested in in the sale if you're like oh that that, that maybe that's a little high for me uh, and then put it down and maybe turn your back on an item a lot of times that's what it takes for them to go oh wait he did offer me 50 for it okay okay i'll take the 50 you know so uh, yeah. that those are helpful tools
1: no and and again let people tell their story right the thing what i've found is that people when they're emotionally attached to an item right? They're, they're, they care more about the item in the sense that they, they don't want to just sell it to somebody that's not going to care about it, that has, that has no interest in the story. And I can't tell you how many times I, I've come across people and I'm like, hey, I, I can tell you're emotionally attached. Tell me a little bit about it. And then when, you know, I don't know if they're going through the grieving process or whatever it is, it's kind of therapeutic. And they'll go, you know what? Um, I've had this for a while. It's time for me to move on. And, you know, thank you for listening to me. And they'll be like, you know, I'll work out a deal with you. And it happens to me all the time. And again, you got to read the room. Sometimes it's best to just go, you know what? I-, I know this means a lot to you. And I've done this before. I said, you know what? Why Don't, don't sell it. Just put it in your garage. Keep it. Why would you want to sell that? That That's your dad's. That's your mom's. That's your grandmother's. It's, it's in the family. You, you don't want to do that. But one way to do it is, you know, let people go through it. And then eventually they'll get to a place whether they actually are emotionally attached to the item or not. Now, what do you do when eBay listings are used? All right. This is, this is the one that a lot of people get annoyed about all the time. Yeah. And maybe my, we can,
0: oh, I was gonna say, yeah, let's end on this one. I think this is a good one. Oh, oh there's so many,
1: so much good. All right. Maybe we'll do like a mini sode. Maybe our next mini sode will be part two of the advanced eBay negotiation. That's right. That's a good idea. Hey, okay. so when there's an eBay listing, you might think it's over. You might go like, oh, you know, they have eBay listings. Y- here's the thing. Sometimes it doesn't hurt to ask and go like, hey, I saw, you know, your eBay listing. What made you come across and, and decide to use that eBay listing? And they may say, oh, you know, I just looked on eBay and, and that's what they were going for. So your follow up question obviously would be, well, that, that's what they're going for. But did you know that sometimes items don't sell what they're going for? Hey, let's look on the phone together and see what they sold for. And sometimes you might be wrong and sometimes uh, they might be right. And what I've done is I've gone on the phone. And I go, see, so these right here, uh, these, you know, sold for so and so. But look at how much the shipping was like. So that meant there was a lot of work. And so, you know, you may be better off selling for cheap here. But, you know, maybe you could make the same amount of money. And you could list it yourself. Do you want Do you want me to help you? I can help you. Like I've, I've sold on eBay for a long time. Here's, here's some things you need to think about when listing. And what's happened is they begin to think about, okay, I have to list it. I have to deal with messages. I have to pack it. I have to go to the post office. I have to deal with the return. And then they'll go, you know what? Um, You know what? Let's just sell it. <laughs> Let's just sell it. I don't want to go through that. Now, that doesn't always happen. Right. These are advanced negotiation tactics. This is when you really see an item, you think it's valuable. You, you know, you you you're reading the room, you're like, maybe, maybe they just put these eBay, you know, things out here just to think that's actually what it was worth. Now you do get it sometimes where they actually do want that. And when that happens, I go to bundle. I will throw it all in and I and she's like, they'll say she or he will say, Well, didn't you see the eBay ad? I'm like, Yeah, I saw the eBay ad, but look. I'm purchasing all these items here and at the same time, you know, there's a lot involved in selling it on eBay. And so, I was wondering if you still would work on the price with me. And sometimes they'll do that. And so, there's various ways to do that. Um I also, you know, let people know that it takes a while uh, to for things to sell, right? So I'm like, "Hey, that's how much you're trying to sell it for, but I'll be real with you. I've been reselling for 10 years and I have items in my store that have sat for 3 years." Five years, six years, I have not sold. And so here's an opportunity I can buy right now, but there's no guarantees you're going to be able to sell it. And then they begin thinking like, you know, that's true. And I I tell them that I said, you know, this is the price you have, but this is your expectation of you selling it right away. Right. What if are you willing to sell it at this price and just keep it at this price at every garage sale for the next six months? Or would you rather just sell it now knowing that you can move it? And that has helped me out sometimes. It's not a for sure way. But you the big thing is to get people to understand the context of what it actually means when they put out an eBay listing on those items. That makes sense. Did I say too much here?
0: No, I think that's I think that's all good. Yep. <laughs> I think some people are like, I
1: just I just I'm just gonna go to the next garage though. But I'm telling you, I've I've gotten a lot of great deals, even with the eBay, e- eBay is bay, uh, listing on there. All right. Hey, so tune in to our Monday live episode. We're going to talk about the last strategic advanced negotiation tactics and reselling, which will help you get bigger profits. And with that being said, uh, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please, Peace.